0: Hello, everybody. This is the Real Estate Exam Prep Podcast. My name's Stu, and I'm going to be your host. Are you someone who's having trouble studying for your real estate exam? Did you maybe take the test and fall a few points short, or maybe more than a few points short? We're here to help. We're going to deliver this information in concise, simple ways so that it's easy for you to understand. We're going to give you study tips and as much information as humanly possible to help you prepare for the exam in an easy-to-understand manner. Now, we do have a ton of resources available at our website at www.helpmepassmyexam.com. Once again, that is www.helpmepassmyexam.com. Over there, you'll find links to our YouTube channel, our Facebook community, as well as links to sign up for private tutoring and so much more. So without further ado, thank you for listening, and hopefully you join our community. You let us know how you're enjoying the material, and let us know also how we can help you further in your real estate exam prep, as well as your career after that. So enjoy the episode And remember, go over to our website at www.helpmepassmyexam.com. In today's episode, we're going to be going over the laws of agency. So not only are we going to be going over the general laws of agency, we're going to discuss how they apply to real estate. So, let's start with defining agency. Agency is when an agent works on behalf of or represents a principal or client. Now, for your real estate exam, I would say that principal and client are synonymous with one another. So, the agent works on behalf of the principal or client. The other person that we would have to take into consideration in an agency relationship within a transaction is going to be someone we will identify as a customer. So the customer is going to be considered the third party to the transaction. Let me give you an example. I am a buyer's agent. I'm working on behalf of the buyer. Who is my principal or client? The seller would be correctly identified as the customer in that scenario. And that's a little odd to some people. That's why I like laying that out. I like going over that and I like talking about that. Making sure that you understand the deliberate differentiation between each of those definitions. The agent works on behalf of or for the principal or client the customer would be a third party in the transaction and we're going to talk about the relationship a little more in depth in regards to what you owe your principal and client your principal or client, let me say, and we're going to talk about what your duties and responsibilities are to the customer. So let's start with outlining the three different types of agency when it comes to the legal aspect of agency. That is, first and foremost, Universal agency. So that's the most encompassing type of agency that you can see in the general law of agency. Universal agency is going to be where the agent will represent the principal or client or work on behalf of them in a broad universal aspect. The best example of this is going to be power of attorney. So, my grandparents are 90 years old. I have complete power of attorney for them. I can pick up their prescription medication. I could lease a car for them. Heck, if my 90-year-old grandfather wanted to start driving today, he I could go out and buy him a car today, sign in his name, and I could get him a car. So, we could do all that stuff. I could Also, go ahead and sell their home. I could lease it. I could do anything they can do. I have universality in regards to my representation of my grandparents. So that is an example and an explanation of universal agency. The next one that we're going to discuss is going to be that of general agency. And again, I'm going to give you an explanation as well as an example. So the explanation is that this is going to be a broad scope of responsibilities where you work on behalf of or for the client in regards to one business aspect. So let me give you an example The best example of this would be a property manager. So, if you were someone who was managing a property on behalf of a client or principal, then what would happen is this. You would be responsible for a lot of different things. You would have universality within that business aspect. What do I mean by that? That means you would probably have to fix a leak if there was a leak in one of the units. If the roof needed to be repaired, you would have the roof repaired. If you needed to fill a vacancy, you would be able to go ahead and do that. So there's a lot of different things that the general agent would be responsible for. However, there's things that they would not be responsible for. So if you were managing property A and you were not managing property B, then what would happen is if there was something going on at property B, that wouldn't be your responsibility. As the old Polish proverb goes, that is not my monkey and not my circus. So with that being said, that is general agency. Again, you have... A broad scope of what you would do within your business aspect. Also, if the principal or client needed to lease a car for themselves personally, if they needed to go pick up prescription medication, you would not have authority to go ahead and pick up that medication for them, lease a car for them, purchase a car for them. You would not have that because the scope of your agency is general and contained to One specific business venture or one specific business type within that principal or client's life. Now, there might be, again, multiple different types of businesses like that, or you might be the only property manager for them. But again, you do not have universality in your representation of them. The last and certainly not the least one is going to be that of special agency. Sometimes some textbooks and some authors may refer to this as specific agency. I see no difference in regards to the two of those. I would treat them as synonymous with one another. And when I say synonymous, I mean same, similar, you know, interchangeable. If we had a thesaurus in front of us, I would say same, same, same. So special agency is where real estate agents usually live, eat, breathe, sleep, all that jazz. This is when someone is tasked with one responsibility, one job, one thing that they're doing on behalf of the principal or client. Now, if I listed a home on behalf of a client, so I was employed because that's what a listing contract is, not to get sidetracked, But a listing contract is an employment contract for you to go ahead and procure a buyer for the seller. That's literally what a listing contract is. And a lot of people mistake it for authorization to market the home. And that's not necessarily the case. You want to be really cognizant and aware of the fact that there are some homes that maybe you're not going to market, but they still want you to procure a buyer. Let's say that you're selling John Bon Jovi's home. Well, maybe he doesn't want you to put it on the Mulia Trulia, Zulia, all those different websites. Maybe he just wants to see if you have a buyer for him. Can you get me a buyer outside of crazy marketing and putting all the pictures of my home up there? Now, for the average Joe, you're probably going to go ahead and... Uh, you're probably going to market the home on the Mulia, Trulia, Zulia, all the places. Uh, however, keep that in mind, that the listing contract is not a contract to go ahead and give you the okay to market the home. Again, might be a part of it. However, it does give you the authorization to go ahead and procure a buyer for the property. Now, special agency. I was using a listing contract as an example. So, let's say we were listing a home in a part of the country where it snows quite frequently, and the last snowstorm brought with it some wet, heavy, miserable snow. Well, there might be a hole in the roof. Now, if there is a five-foot hole in the roof, It is not your responsibility as a person who is procuring a buyer to go ahead and find someone to repair it, go ahead and employ them to repair that roof. That is not your responsibility. If you were a general agent and a property manager, that might fall under your scope of uh, agency. However, when we're talking about special agency, something like that would be a perfect example of something that would not fall under your responsibility to handle or take care of on behalf of the client. You are not authorized to do that. Now, you very well might say, well, what if I help them find somebody? What if I you know, said, oh, I know a great rougher who's going to be able to do this in two days Fantastic. Helping them is something that you should do as a responsible professional real estate agent. However, you do not have responsibility or do nor do you need to do that under the scope of your agency relationship. So those are the three types of agency relationships in regards to the general law of agency. We have universal, we have general, and we have special or specific agency. Now, something that's very important to keep in mind as it pertains to real estate, the agency relationship is always with the broker. So whatever state you're in, if you refer to that as the responsible broker, uh, the, the, uh, the broker of record, the broker... It belongs with the broker and the client or principal. You are simply, you as an agent, you are simply there to work on behalf of the broker. Some states even refer to it as broker in charge, something like that. So whatever vernacular your state uses as far as the verbiage is concerned, the agency relationship always Always falls between the broker and the principal or client, and that's why a lot of the questions that you might see on your real estate exam are going to be around um, who has. They're basically testing you on your knowledge of who has that agency relationship, who is it between, and that's something to be cognizant, be aware of. And you get some good good explanations throughout all these episodes, as well as the the first one I did with the study tips about how to tackle the questions. In regards to looking at the questions, something that I will tell you that is very important, you want to make sure that you understand, what are they trying to test me on? Like, what knowledge are they trying to see if I have tucked away in my brain somewhere? And... Based on your testing of that knowledge, okay, Um, based on your knowledge of that information is going to help you understand what it is they're trying to figure out. So a lot of the questions that you'll have as far as agency are concerned, they will test your knowledge on seeing whether or not you understand That the relationship, the agency relationship is between the broker and the client. So they'll ask you, what happens to a listing when the broker dies? That listing actually terminates. What happens when the seller dies? That listing would terminate. What happens when the salesperson dies? Nothing, because the salesperson although we might like to think that we are very very important to the whole entire grand scheme of things what happens is this the relationship is always between the broker and the client and if one of them dies then it would void the contra- it would void the listing contract so they'll also ask you about sales contracts sales contracts okay would be void upon the death of a buyer because they usually have unique circumstances in regards to financing in regards to funding. and also them being the future tenants or the future investors in the property really leads it to the fact that if if those if the parties that are purchasing the property pass away, you cannot hold it binding to the estate. However, if the seller passes away, you could hold, as a buyer, you could hold the estate to that sales contract because they're probably more than likely going to sell that property. Um, there are outlier situations. And here's the situation, guy, guys. Um, there are going to be exceptions to everything. There there is. You you could give me scenarios where one thing would happen, another thing would happen. You will have outlier situations. But I'm telling you, and you have to understand this, when I give you information, if I give it to you in an absolute where I say this is what it is, then that's what you have to understand for your real estate exam. We could talk about, And we could go down all these different rabbit holes, which might be fun to do, okay? But we're not going to do that in regards to trying to confuse you for your real estate exam. So that's another reason why I tell you guys don't study too much. Because you typically put more stuff into your head or you go down these rabbit holes about what if this and what if that And as an instructor, I could tell you there are a lot of fun to go down those rabbit holes. But we try not to because you have to always ask yourself, is this relevant for me for the exam? And sometimes the answer to that is it is simply not relevant. It is not going to help me pass the exam. So everything that I'm telling you is real estate exam ready. Is the stuff you need to know to help you pass that exam. Now... We've talked about the different types of agency relationships. We've also discussed the fact that the the agency relationship is always between the broker, broker in charge, broker of record, and the principal or client. Now, we have to outline and identify what are the fiduciary responsibilities. So fiduciary responsibilities are this. They are an outline of what you have to do as an agent when you work on behalf or for a principal or client. And they refer to them as fiduciary duties. So because they refer to them as fiduciary duties, they sometimes refer to the agency relationship as that of a fiduciary relationship. So a synonym for agent is sometimes the fiduciary the fiduciary owes certain fiduciary duties or responsibilities to the principal or client now there are several different acronyms that instructors use to help you remember the fiduciary responsibilities or duties i use a cold a c o l d the reason i use that is i always say When I have an agency or fiduciary relationship with someone, we are close enough that we could both catch a cold, a chew. So, let me tell you what they are. The A is accounting. That means you have to have general accounting responsibilities to the client or principal. So, if they give you money to deposit into escrow, you have to do that in a timely fashion. If they ask you to add some numbers together, you have to be of sound mind and capable of adding some numbers together, doing some math. So accounting is not some CPA level stuff. It is basic generic stuff in regards to the handling of funds and general math questions. The next one is care. You have to have some level of reasonable care. Is this out of your scope of knowledge? Are you taking them to an area in which you do not have expertise and or knowledge? And if you are taking them there and they insist on you helping them, are you seeking out the right experts to get you the information you need? The next one is obedience. As long as it is lawful, you must be obedient to your client or principal. The next one is loyalty, as well as the duty of confidentiality. So loyalty means that if you have some sort of interest or some sort of agenda, you must put your client or principal's interest before that of yours. That is loyalty. Confidentiality basically means that if they tell you something in confidence and you are under no legal obligation to disclose that, meaning it's not a material fact to the deal, okay, then you certainly can and you should keep that confidential. That should stay in your mind and between the four walls that you heard that in. Okay, So how much they could go up to. So if you're in a negotiation and your buyer says to you, I could pay 300000 and they offered 225000 you better zipper your lip. <laughs> you better be quiet because then you would be in a lot, a lot of poo-poo because you would be breaching the fiduciary duty or responsibility of loyalty and confidentiality. And the last one, the D in a cold is disclosure. Let's say the seller says something silly willy to you and they tell you how much you would be, they would be willing to go down. You must disclose that to your client. If you find something out, you learn something, you must disclose that to your client. Withholding it could be a breach of disclosure and it could also be a breach of loyalty. Because if they tell you something like, let's say you could get a better deal for your client, but you hold back because maybe you'll get a bigger commission for them going higher, then you're negotiating against your client. You cannot do that. That is not something that you could do as an agent. So that is our acronym of a COLD. Accounting, care, obedience, loyalty, and confidentiality and disclosure. Now that is what an agent would owe to their principal or client. What you would owe as an agent to the customer, so the third party, would be that of honest and fair dealing. You cannot be underhanded. You cannot be unethical. Okay, You cannot be in a situation where you are dealing in a not honest and not fair Fair way of handling yourself. So that is the situation. That is the situation in regards to how you have to handle. And they'll word it exactly that. They'll say honest and fair dealing to the other party. Also, some instructors may say you also have to have the duty of disclosure, disclosing material facts. So like if you know that the roof leaks, okay, you must disclose that. That would be a material defect, okay? Actually might even be considered latent if you can't visibly see it, okay? If you have that information as an agent, You must disclose that to your clients, okay, if you know about it and they don't, and you also must disclose it to the third party in the transaction, the buyer, seller, whatever the case may be. So that is our fiduciary responsibilities. Now let's talk for a little bit about the different ways in which we could work with someone in a real estate transaction. Now I'll outline the very easy ones and that's buyer's agent seller's agent in that case if you are a buyer's agent you owe the fiduciary responsibilities to the buyer and you owe it by proxy because the agency relationship is with your broker in charge you own it because you owe it to the buyer because you are a representative of the broker okay now seller's agent same thing fiduciary responsibilities to the seller Buyer would be the customer, so they would be the third party. You would only owe them fair and honest dealing. You would owe the full boat a cold accounting, care, obedience, loyalty, confidentiality, and disclosure to your client, the seller. Next one would be a dual agent. Some states this is legal. If it is legal, it simply means that the broker in charge, because keep in mind, the broker in charge, the broker of record, the broker, is where the agency relationship lies. It means that they are representing both parties to the transaction. And I will tell you a little hint about agency. You could never have an agency relationship unless it is disclosed and consented to. Has to be disclosed, has to be consented to, if it is not either of those, then you cannot operate as a dual agent. Dual, undisclosed, and non-consenting agency is illegal 110%. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, make sure that you go and let us know in the various ways that we have to communicate with you. We have our Facebook community, our YouTube channel. All those things are great ways to reach out. And hopefully you enjoyed this. You got something out of it. If you did, again, subscribe, share this with your friends because that's what helps us keep the lights on. And Guys, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. I'll see you real soon.